This is the Fant Line Sports Rant with Marvin Fant. And every now and then, I'm going to be going on my own little personal rant about the goings-on in sports. It'll range from baseball, football, basketball, maybe even a little hockey, depending on the circumstances of the day. But... My rants are, of course, my opinion on whatever the situation may be. And what I want to do is give a a good perspective of uh, my opinion. And today, I'll be talking about the underlying racism of black quarterbacks in the, in the, in the NFL. I'll also be talking about the history of the NBA, which, according to today's generation, only goes back to 1980. And I will talk about the most underrated sports figure of all time. Stay tuned for that. But first, let me get to the to the first subject, the underlying racism of black quarterbacks. Now, some of you listening to this may not want to to hear this or think that you've been down this road before. You probably have. I've been down this road before. I'm talking about this, this type of situation. But I'm not not the, the type of person to use the race card, so to speak. But when the situation calls for it, I will speak on it. And this is something that I'm seeing before my eyes. And I wonder if other people are catching on to this. Okay, first, I'm going to give you a little list here. And it is the NFL's highest paid quarterbacks. And it's the average salary per year. First, you have um, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, who makes $35 million a year. He's black. 
Second is um, the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, $34 million a year. <clears throat> White. Third, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, $33.5 million, million a year. White. Tied for third, or I should say fourth, would be Jared Goff, $33.5 million of the Rams. Number five is the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, at 33, $33 straight million a year. Number six, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I'm always clearing my throat here. <clears throat> and today is one of those days. <clears throat> Number six is the Eagles, Carson Wentz, at $32 million a year. Number seven, and this is the most recent one, and we're going to talk a little bit about him also, is Dak uh, Prescott of the Cowboys at $30.1 million a year. Number eight is the Falcons, Matt Ryan at thirty. Number nine, and this one really grinds me, is the Titans, Ryan Tannehill at $29.5 million. <clears throat> and finally, and this one surprised me, I will admit, is the Colts, Jacoby Brissett at $27 million a year, and he's black. <clears throat> And please excuse excuse me. <clears throat> and for any knuckleheads who's, who's thinking, oh, he's got the, the, the virus. No, I don't. This is something that I've been dealing with for many, many years. It's a post nasal drip. So get those thoughts out of your head while I clear my throat. <clears throat> but anyway. That is the uh, the top 10 highest paid quarterbacks, and that's up to date. Okay. Now, on that list, I have no problem with uh, Russell Wilson or Roethlisberger <clears throat> or Rodgers. I have an issue with Goff, Cousins. I'm okay with Wentz, I would say, and Prescott, Ryan, Tannehill. I got a problem with him. And even even though Brissett is black, I, I got a problem with him making that, that much money. <clears throat> now, here's why. First of all, <clears throat> my reasons for even talking about this subject is you got black quarterbacks, I'm talking, <clears throat> who put up good numbers through the years. And to me, um, Jacoby Brissett does not count in this situation. I, I think he was pretty fortunate to get the money he's getting right now. <clears throat> he almost fall, he basically falls into the other car- the category I'm talking about. <clears throat> but my situation is... You've got, again, quarterbacks, black quarterbacks who it seems like they have to do a lot more to make the type of money that's up on the board here, up on the board, up on the list I, I spoke about. 
Kirk Cousins. Now, he, granted, he has put up the numbers that warrants some type, some, um, some of that money. But initially, he started making big bucks like that even before the numbers that he has amassed over the years. And he just recently won a, a playoff game that he had never done before. <clears throat> he was giving big bucks. Jared Goff had one good season, went to the Super Bowl, granted, and then they, they threw a ton of money at him. Ryan Tannehill, and like I said, this one really irked me. <clears throat> he didn't even have a, a, a full good season. He came in about midways, played decent. He played decent. The real reason that the Titans had a successful playoff run is because of their running game. Not because of the, of the quarterback, not because of Tannehill, because of their running game, because of, of um, Henry. They're all pro, all-purpose running back. That's the reason they had the uh, success that they had, not because of Tannehill. Yet, <clears throat> Tannehill was slated to be a free agent, and the Titans felt the need to throw a ton of money at him, making putting him at ninth on this list. When, through his career, he's been a backup. A backup. Last year when he played <clears throat> for um, Mariota, he still did pedestrian work. He still did a backup player's um, quality of work, so to speak. But yet they throw $29 million at him. Okay? And this is why, this is the reason why Prescott was wanting more than the $30 million <clears throat> that the Cowboys uh, gave him. Prescott's numbers far exceeds Tannehill's, but yet Prescott will only make a million dollars more than Tannehill. Okay. In comparison to um, Cam Newton, who does not have a team right now, okay, doesn't have a team, but yet Cam <clears throat> only made $19 million. Now, you tell me what's wrong with that. And, and, on, and on top of that, Cam is looking for a team. And granted, he's come off an injury. He's come off an injury. <clears throat> but still, he should be making more money. He's far talented than Tannehill. But yet, Tannehill is making $10 million more than that, than, excuse me, than Cam. Cam has had more success. Cam is a bigger name. Cam is a better player. But Tannehill is making $10 million more. And now you have some pundits of the NFL saying that, 
well, Cam should be quiet and he should just take what's given to him as a free agent. No, 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 he shouldn't. Because he's proven himself in this league. So why should he accept less? Yes, again, he's coming off an injury. But as long as he's shown that he is healthy, <clears throat> there should be no issue about him making the kind of money that the rest of these guys are making. <clears throat> and, and look at this. And look and look look at um Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. He signed with Cam's old team. But they only gave him 20 million. Okay, they only gave him 20 million. Again, I would take Bridgewater over Tannehill. Hands down. Any day I would take Bridgewater over Tannehill. I would not blink on that. I would not doubt that. But yet Tannehill's making more money. Bridgewater is only making a, mil- a million dollars more than Cam Newton. And I know I'm, I'm throwing these, these numbers around like it's nothing. You know, it, it's, it's big to us. The, the, the little guy, the guy who's not even make, making nowhere near that amount of money. But when you're in that stratosphere, th- those, are, those are big differences. Those are big differences. <clears throat> and, and, go, and like I said, why are these guys who I mentioned, Tannehill, Goff, Cousins, all they had to do was just just have a a a, a, a modicum of of, of a, a small success and they get a ton of money thrown at them. But yet when it's the black quarterback, the black signal caller, they have to do a lot more to even get to that that point. And and, and that's is what and that is what irks me. I can go back to 2012. Matt Flynn. <clears throat> Matt Flynn. This guy didn't even get off the bench with the, with the Packers. Okay. Becomes a free agent. And all he did was hold a clipboard and becomes a free agent. Seattle signs him. Gives him twenty million dollars, and he was supposed to have to um, start uh, that particular season. But then, guess what? Seattle found Russell Wilson. Oh, look at look at the surprise we have here! And not only that, we only had to pay him rookie money at the time. And you know about Russell Wilson, his success, Super Bowl winner, perennial all, uh, all pro, getting his, his team into the playoffs just about every year. So, oh, and no doubt, no problem with him being number one on this list at $35 million a year. No doubt. <clears throat> But like I said, yet they were ready to, they, they gave Flynn 20 mil. This is in 2012, okay? 2012. They gave him 20 mil 
and ready to hand the keys of the Ferrari over to him until Russell Wilson came along. Talent beats out. But the black talent, again, they have to do more, sustain it for a, a longer period, whereas a white quarterback, he just has to just show just a little bit and he gets a boatload of t- uh, money thrown at him, and that's wrong. This is the reason why Kaepernick, with his angst with the NFL, and I know some of you don't want to hear his name. I'm not, I'm not on his bandwagon, but I just wanted to point his situation out. He became a free agent. This guy should have been signed. Now, I know with the kneeling thing and all this other stuff, but he was protesting. He was protesting in reference to police brutality towards black people. That's another subject, okay? And people took that and twisted it around. And in some situations, he didn't help himself with some of the things he did over the years. Again, that's another issue. That's another another subject. But Kaepernick, this guy... This guy went unsigned. Even before he he um he he did his protest, even before he did his protest, he was unsigned. Unsigned. Before the protest. This guy had been to a Super Bowl starting QB, but yet for some reason he had to show more. He had to prove himself more. Why? Like I said, guys like Matt Flynn can get money thrown at him. Jared Goff has one good season and get a a ton of money thrown at him. Kirk Cousins had one good season. Then had and granted, he has sustained to a degree, but still he had one good season and had a ton of money thrown at him. Yet Bridgewater was a starting quarterback when he first came in, got hurt, came back, came back into a situation where he had to back up, proved himself worthy, okay, becomes a free agent, then signs, but it's nowhere near these other guys. Again, you look at Tannehill compared to Bridgewater. What did Tannehill do? Compared to Bridgewater, look up the numbers yourself, yourselves. What did he do that was more than Bridgewater? When Bridgewater did his job, he went 5-0 in the absence of Drew Brees. When Brees came back, obviously Bridgewater had to sit back down. Okay? Tannehill's case, it wasn't about him take, um, coming in for an injured player, which is Mariota, Mariota was just sucking to the point where they had no choice but to say, okay, let's try Tannehill, even though he's a retread. He came in, granted, he had Henry to hand the ball off to at the same time, and granted, he didn't turn the ball over like Mariota, 
See, that was key right there. All they had him do was to come in and maintain the offense. Don't do too much. Don't, don't overdo it. You got the Ferrari. Drive it, but don't, don't get a speeding ticket. That's, that's what that amounted to. And, and he didn't. He didn't get a speeding ticket because basically he was handed the keys, but he put the keys in Henry's hands and let Henry do the driving. That's what happened there. Henry did the driving. Tannehill got the big money. Oh, oh, and, and on top of that, they gave Henry a little bit of money on the side and said, here, you be happy with that. And it's nowhere near the money Tannehill is getting. The running back situation, that's, that, that, that's another subject right there. I'm not going to get into that. That's for another time. <clears throat> that's for another time. But do you get the, the gist of what I'm saying? Like, do you, like with, with Dak Prescott, why in the world had, did the Cowboys go basically almost two years of playing around with this guy saying, oh, you're our number one guy. You're our number one guy, but but when it came time to break the bank on him, they were always hesitant. Always hesitant. Hmm. Just makes you wonder. <clears throat> yeah, it makes me wonder of how they can keep getting over like this. Like I said, you prop up the white quarterback, but then with the black quarterback, you make him do more. You make him jump through hoops and whatnot, walk on hot coals, and they're doing the same thing and even more, but not getting paid as much or have to really fight to get it. Just doesn't make any sense. Fantline will be back in a moment. All right, everyone, the Fantline Sports Rant with Marvin Fant is back. And in this, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about the history of the NBA. Some think it goes back to the year 1980. And I'm here to say that it does not. You know, I... I, I um, talk with young people... You know, guys in their 20s, some in their 30s, early 30s. And they seem to think that the history of the NBA started in 1980. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, I had this conversation with this, this guy. He's 20 years old. And we got to talking about history. And, you know, I was trying to tell him that when we learn about history, when we're observant of history, we can grow from it. We can grow from it in moving forward. His response was, well, 
those things from in the past, those they were before my time. I only deal with things within my time frame. Now, he's 20 years old. And this is the year 2020. So to him, anything past you know, that preceded the year 2000, he really doesn't want to get into it. <clears throat> now, but most others in the um this this younger generation when we're talking about the history of sports and so forth they really don't want to go back too far but <laughs> even with um television with ESPN and Fox and so forth when you look at some of their talk shows they're pretty much doing the same thing they only go back so far when they when they mention um, records being broken. I recall in March, right before the uh, pandemic hit, Zion Williamson was on a roll of um, scoring at least twenty points a game consecutively, <clears throat> and they mentioned that. Um, either he had broke the record or he was he was um, close to breaking the record for most games in a row of scoring 20 points. And they, they went, I think they went as far back as uh, they went they went as far back as I, I believe it was uh, 30 years ago. <clears throat> don't even went that far back because my situation was or my my what got me mad was I'm thinking well look at Wilt Chamberlain look at Wilt Chamberlain his rookie season I, I, I think he, he averaged 38 a game something like that in his rookie year there was something like that. I can't recall right now, but it was it was really it was really really up there. So you mean to tell me that Wilt didn't score at least twenty points in 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 a game consecutively for I, 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 William Williamson? What he did his in I think thirteen fourteen games something like that. Will average 38 points a game in his rookie year. But they did not want to go back that far. This is a man who averaged 50 points a game in the, the year that he scored 100 points in one game. But they didn't, they didn't want to go back that far. And, and Wilt, is a, that's another subject I'll get into. <clears throat> Don't want to get too far, of course, on that. But they only they only want to acknowledge a certain time frame. I've noticed this, and, and the NFL does this too. They they don't want to go back too far in acknowledging their history. But 
baseball is about the only one who who tries to acknowledge their history, but they've dropped the ball in trying to stay with the present. Again, that's another subject to get into. I like the I like a good blend of being in the now and also acknowledging those from the past. The NBA does a horrible job at this. And that 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 young man I was talking to, you know, I was trying to let him know that it's good to know about your history, know about those before you. Know about who did great things in the past. I told him back in the day when I was his age, I didn't, you know, I I knew about things that were in my mother's time or my grandmother's time that did not stop me from having knowledge. And having knowledge is Key to key to a lot of things in life. Having knowledge is having knowledge of history is what I meant to say is key to basically everything in life. You learn from it, you grow from it. <clears throat> but this refusal to want to know, it, it it really boggles my mind. You know, I had told him this this young man that. You know, I had to when you wanted to find out some history, you had to go to the library or you had to have an, a set of encyclopedia books and thumb through those. Whereas nowadays, all you got to do is just pull your phone out, go to Google and whatever it may be is right there at your fingertips. Back in the day, you had to go to the library and go to the, you, if you, you remember the, the, um, the microfiche films, you look look up stuff on that. Like I said, you get everything at your, right at your fingertips, right at your fingertips. Just hit send or search right at your fingertips. <clears throat> History in the palm of your hands, but yet you don't want to see about it. You don't want to search. You don't want to take the time to do a little research. You don't want to take the time to know about your history, to know about the game, and so on. And most of them, they'd rather take the time to... I don't know, it, 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 like I said, it just, it just boggles my mind on, on, on some of these situations. And the, 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 the lame excuse that it was before my time, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. Before, before my time. Yet these will be the same ones that will be repeating history over, but in a bad way. It boggles my mind that we had baseball players playing a game and some of them black and did not know about Jackie Robinson. Boggles the mind. 
boggles my mind that the only reason that some of these some of these people know about O.J. Simpson is because of the murder case that he was involved with. One of the greatest running backs of all time. It boggles my mind that they don't know about Jim Brown. Some say the greatest running back of all time. It boggles my mind. It boggles my mind that some of the greatest defensive players will get overlooked. Like Deacon Jones, who would rip your head off and spit down your throat in a game. Or Ronnie Lott, who played with a mangled finger and basically had it removed so he could keep playing. I believe it was his pinky. Guys like that get overlooked. That's because people, the and, and again, the media feeds into this also, whereas they only want to show the history of the game, but only so far. And, and getting back to the NBA, again, <clears throat> there are so many great players that were before the Jordan era. Guys like Rick Barry, David Skywalker Thompson, Artis Gilmore, Dave Bing, Walt Frazier, Earl of Pearl Monroe, Hal Greer. But today's generation don't they don't want to acknowledge them because they say, well, they weren't as athletic. Heck, you had Connie Hawkins, who was as athletic as anyone. You had Pete Maravich. This guy was an artist with the basketball. An artist. And you had Elgin Baylor. Heck, if it wasn't for Elgin Baylor, there would not be a Michael Jordan because players after Baylor emulated him like Dr. J. And with Dr. J, Michael Jordan saw how Dr. J played and copied his moves. So it was like a chain reaction there. But again, today's generation, they don't want to acknowledge them because, well... They said they weren't weren't as athletic, and they say, I guess it was something about looking at them on black and white films that that just throws them off. They're used to looking at things in color. Like I said, it just boggles the mind. It just boggles the mind.
But the NBA would be well served to acknowledge the players of the past in some way, in some form. And even some of these talk shows on ESPN and on Fox, they need to start acknowledging the players from the past. Stop putting everything into a condensed box. Fantline will be back in a moment. All right, the Fantline Sports Rant with Marvin Fant is back. And our last segment of the day is the most underrated sports figure of all time. And those of you who know me know where I'm going with this. And the most underrated sports figure of all time is Wilt Chamberlain. Yes, I've been calling Wilt the GOAT over Michael Jordan, over LeBron James. I even heard recently, um, yesterday, Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports, he mentioned that um, centers, centers should not be considered one of the, as one of the greats of all time when talking about that subject. Now, he never did mention Wilt. I guess he must have forgot about Wilt. And, and granted, I know where he's coming from when he mentions centers because centers were always the ones who were not as athletic, so to speak. And granted, he, he, he had a good point on that. But there were some big men who were good, like Jabbar, like Russell, even though Russell was not as great as a scorer as Jabbar and Chamberlain. <clears throat> but Chamberlain, Chamberlain, oh my goodness, this guy was so phenomenal. And in the last segment of my rant, I was talking about how this generation, this younger generation doesn't know about the players from the past. They only want to go back so far. I look at some posts on especially YouTube where they'll put down Chamberlain saying that, well, he only played, he played against slow white guys back in the, the black and white days. So that's their knock on him. <clears throat> this guy was phenomenal in every sport he played. He was a race car driver. He was a track and field specialist. He, of course, a, a great basketball player. He was a phenomenal volleyball player. This guy was athletic as athletic could be. And at an imposing seven foot one. Okay, seven foot one. He could dribble the ball. He was graceful, but yet powerful at the same time. <clears throat> this guy, as I mentioned earlier, averaged 50 points a game 
1962. 50 points a game. Think about that. Think about it. If he scored 35, that was an off night by 15 points. 35. If you score 35 points with anyone, that is a great game. But if he did it, it would be an off night. Heck, if he scored 45 points, that would be an off night. Because his average was 50. 50. He averaged 22 points, excuse me, 22 rebounds a game. Average. Okay? Only one other player came close to those numbers in averaging 22 points, excuse me, again, 22 rebounds a game, and that was Bill Russell who did the same. But Chamberlain, Chamberlain got 55 rebounds, a record that will never be broken in one game. And guess who he did it against? He did it against the phenomenal Bill Russell, the supreme being of defense. He did it against Russell. Russell, the man who had all the Hall of Famers on his team. 55 rebounds in one game. Well, then you say, well, those guys, they couldn't shoot, shoot as well back then. Granted, today's player is more exceptional at shooting the ball, especially at long range. No doubt about that. No doubt. No doubt. Cham- but with Chamberlain, <clears throat> when he wanted to shoot, he could. Now, his downfall was the free throw. Heck, that was Shaq's downfall. Most big men's downfall, the free throw. <clears throat> but here's the, here's the funny thing about Chamberlain. When he was at the line... And it was a playoff game. He hit more times than missed. That is overlooked. People overlook that. He hit more free throws when in, in, playoff, in playoff games than in a regular season. His percentage, his free throw percentage in the playoffs was better than his regular season percentage. He once made 18 in a row. That is absurd for him. And those 18 in a row was during the playoff run. So for some reason, when it came playoff time, he stepped it up. He concentrated more. For some reason, during the regular season, it's like he he didn't give a crap. The way he shot it. But all other aspects of his game. Off the charts. Simply off the charts. He never fouled out of a game. Never fouled out of a game. I believe he played 13 seasons. Never fouled out. 
he was the all, he he was the all time points leader thirty over thirty one thousand until you know a string of players have now gone past him, and Abdul Jabbar being at number one, I believe now Wilt is about sixth on the list on the all time list. But for decades, he was number one. Held over ninety title, um, ninety um, records, so to speak, and still have a slew of them today. He averaged forty-eight and a half minutes a game during one season. How did forty-eight and a half minutes? You know they play forty-eight minutes. A whole game. Okay. He averaged 48 and a half. That's because with the overtimes. He never came out of a game. Think about that. You want to talk about graceful? You want to talk about endurance? He never came out of a game. During that particular season. You think about that. You think about the endurance of going up and down a court. And then and remember, this guy was the ultimate playboy. Mr. Bedded down 20,000 women. Okay, that record I don't know about, but we all know that he was one to be with the ladies. That we do know. That we do know. And I read many accounts. I even have I even have this book. Many many accounts and nights where he would be out partying, being with the ladies or whoever, then having to play a game that next day and go up and down the court fresh as fresh as a daisy. That's how phenomenal he was as an athlete. This guy is so overlooked. It's pitiful. They always, like I said, today's generation, today's broadcasters, today's networks, they always bring up, they say the greats of the game, Jordan, LeBron, Sometimes they throw in Jabbar. And even in this situation, Jabbar gets slighted. But mainly it's, uh, um, oh, and then they'll throw in Magic or either Bird. But more so it'd be Magic. And I give a, a few, I give some points to Bird also. He was, yeah, that's another guy that was phenom- phenomenal. But, Again, I'm talking about the most overlooked, underrated person, underrated athlete. Has to be Wilt Chamberlain. Has to be. Has to be. This guy's conditioning, his endurance was just off the charts. The records that he set 
were, were mind-boggling, mind-blowing. I mean, again, think about it. Get this in your head. 50 points a game. 50. And then he scored over 4,000 points in one season. Over 4,000 points. Okay, now if you can't grab hold of that concept, okay, a great year, a great year where today's NBA player is getting over 2,000 points. If you get over 2,000 points, that is a, excuse me, that is a phenomenal year if you get over 2,000 points, okay? Chamberlain doubled that. And then it was one year he got he got over 3,000 points. I mean, just off the charts, off the charts, off the charts. The rebounding, over t- averaging over 20 rebounds a game. The block shots. The scoring. The, the endurance. Oh, and then the... the to show the people, hey, I can also pass too. He purposely cut down on the scoring to pass. And then he led the league in assist. Again, unheard of, especially at that time for a center to lead in assist. He led the league in assist. He could do it all. Except for the free throws. (laughs) Except for the free throws. But this guy was so magnificent and so phenomenal. And, And he had the magnetism. He was a box office. In an NBA that was nowhere near what it is now. And... Just imagine this guy with the magnetism and charisma that he had playing today and playing in a system that says no hand checking. Now, granted, in comparison, in a period where now in this documentary, the last dance that they're showing now, That was that was a physical game. It was it was even more physical back in Wilt's day. Even more physical. Guys were hanging off his arms as he would go up for a dunk. As a matter of fact, he broke a guy's arm, power forward named Gus Johnson, one of one of the better um, players of the game back then. This guy was a brute. This guy was a beast. This guy was thick. He was strong. Six foot eight. Over 230 pounds. Gus Johnson. Goes up with Chamberlain. Chamberlain dunks the ball. This is is documented. Chamberlain dunks the ball. Johnson tries to block it. Chamberlain... Chamberlain, and this guy was, is kind of like the, uh, the Jethro Bodine of basketball. 
he had to realize his own strength. But at that time, he just threw it down and wound up um, breaking Johnson's arm. And again, this Johnson was no little guy. That's how phenomenal Wilt Chamberlain was. And that's why, in my estimation, he is the greatest of all time. And in my estimation, he is the most underrated and most unappreciated athlete of all time. Enough said.